Amen. All right, well, we're there in Acts chapter number 12. And of course, on Sunday nights, we've been going through this uh, peculiar series called When Animals Attack in the Bible. We've been looking at these stories when God used animals uh, to bring his judgment upon individuals. And we've kind of been looking at the stories and seeing what we can learn from them. And uh, tonight, we find ourselves, this is part six of this series, by the way. You wouldn't have thought there was that many animal attacks in the Bible. And we're not even going to cover all of them. Um, we're going to skip the, you know, the sodomites and, um, you know, we're going to skip all those, those human animals. Um, but, um, we're going to look at probably another one after this week, maybe two other ones after this week. In Acts chapter 12 and verse 20, we have the story of Herod. And we read the entire chapter, but let's just read these few verses together, uh, to get the context. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. Now, we're not told why he was displeased, why Herod was displeased with these people, but he was. He was in charge of their government, and the Bible says here, but they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. So Herod is upset with these people for people from Tyre and Sidon, and they come, and they're trying to make peace and amend the situation there. Verse 2, And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, set upon his throne, and made an oration. He made a speech unto them, and the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of God, and not of a man, of a God, excuse me, not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. And we see here that the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord smote him, that he would die, but the manner in which he died, the Bible tells us that he was eaten of worms. Obviously there were either already worms in him, or God put worms in him, and those worms ate him uh, alive, if you would. Uh, to the point where he died. Now, why did that happen? Why is it? Because we're looking at these stories where God uses animals uh, to bring judgment. We saw the she-bears coming up against the children, and it was for their rebellion. And we've seen different animals for different reasons. Here we see that God used these worms to kill Herod. He was eaten of worms, these flesh-eating worms, uh, to bring judgment upon him. But what was the reason? And the reason was because of Herod's pride. Now, I preached on the subject of pride uh, this morning, and I'm preaching on the subject of pride tonight, and I didn't orchestrate that. That's just how it worked out. You know, God is constantly working on the other side, I think. And for whatever reason, this must be something that God wants us uh, to hear about. You know, I did schedule the Esther series, and I, you know, months ago, and I did schedule the When Animals Attack in the Bible series, but, you know, I did not take the time to plan out, you know, what day I would be in what chapter or whatever. This all just kind of worked out. God wants us to learn about pride. And I want you to notice that I did kind of talk about it this morning, uh, so there might be some things that overlap a little bit, but that's okay. It's good for us to hear it again. I want you to notice here in verse 23, that there actually is a biblical definition for pride. Because it says in verse 23, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Why did he smote him? Here's why. Because he gave not God the glory. And that really is what pride is. 
The problem with pride is that we don't give God the glory for what he has done. The problem with pride is that we give ourselves the glory. Uh, when, we, when we use the word glory, the Bible uses the word glory synonymously with the word boast or brag. When we are boasting and bragging, we're being arrogant, we're being prideful. You would not boast if you were giving God the glory. And here, you know, Herod, see, it, the problem wasn't that Herod got up and gave a good speech. The problem wasn't even necessarily on Herod's part that the people said, hey, this is like the voice of a God. The problem was when he, and he didn't even, as far as we can tell, outside, outwardly do this, but inwardly in his own mind, and his own heart, he accepted that. He accepted that praise. When he heard the people and they gave shouts saying, it is the voice of God and not a man, and immediately the angel overspoke him because he gave not God the glory. Immediately in his own mind, his own heart, he heard that and he accepted it. And, you know, who knows how that went down in his own mind, but maybe he thought to himself, man, I am pretty awesome. Maybe I am like a God on earth. And that moment, the Bible says, because he gave not God the glory and the Bible says that he was eaten of worms as a result. So I want to preach to you this morning on the subject of boasting and bragging and pride. And again, these people gave him a compliment. It was over the top. Sometimes that happens. People give you over the top compliments. You know, I'm not preaching on compliments this evening, but let me just say this. Someone said compliments are like bubble gum. You can chew on it for a while, but don't swallow it. And, you know, don't start taking compliments too seriously and start thinking too highly of yourself. God might turn that worm inside of you uh, against you. Uh, so I want to give you some thoughts here in regards to uh, pride and the things we have to be proud about. Uh, and you're, if you're able to take notes, I'd encourage you to take notes on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to write down some things. In verse 21, I want you to notice, again, the emphasis. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel. Of course, he puts on his nice clothes, sat upon his throne, he sits on his nice chair above everybody, showing his authority, showing his power, and made an oration. He used his talent, he used his God-given ability to stand up in front of people and give a speech. He made an oration unto them, and the people gave shouts, saying, it is the voice of a God and not Amen. I want you to keep your place there in Acts chapter 12. That's our text for tonight. But go with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 4. In the New Testament, if you're there in the book of Acts, you have Acts, Romans, then you have the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me give you three thoughts tonight, and we won't spend any more time than we need to. But number one, I'd like you to jot this down. What's the problem with pride? Why do we want to be careful with this? Why is it that God is so against it? We saw it this morning. We're over and over. God says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Why is it that God uh, had this man be eaten of worms as a result of his pride? Number one, we need to realize that everything we have to be proud about, everything that you and I have, hold, uh, are, that could potentially go to our heads, that we could be proud of it, about, everything that we have to be proud about, we need to realize that it was given to us by God. Amen. Everything we have. I mean, everything we have was given to us by God, even the things you're not proud about. But everything you have to be proud about was given to us by God. Are you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4? 
Look at verse 7. And by the way, this is why we should maintain a spirit of humility. So why, why should I be humble? I mean, look how awesome I am. Well, here's the thing. Maybe you are awesome, but everything you have to be proud about, everything you're awesome about was given to you by God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, the Bible says this. For who? This is the Apostle Paul speaking to us, the Holy Ghost speaking to all of us. He says, for who maketh thee to differ from another? Notice he doesn't say what makes you different from another, but he says who maketh you to differ from another. He says in the areas where you're different than others. And the truth of the matter is this, if we were honest, we would say that the only times we like to bring attention to the parts of us that are different from other people, the only times that we like to acknowledge that is when we're better than other people in those areas. Isn't that true? I mean, I don't know, I'm not on Facebook or social media, but generally I don't think people are showing off their crappy vacation, right? I mean, look at us, we went to, you know, Scandia, right? It's like, look at us, we went to the Bahamas, right? I mean, usually you're not showing a picture, you're not showing off a picture, look, look at my filthy house and how lazy I am to clean it, Right? I mean, usually when we like to bring attention, when we like to bring attention to uh, what we have that is different than other people, it's usually because we perceive it as being better than other people. I mean, is that true? And if you don't believe me, I mean, just you got all of social media to, to prove the point. He says, for who maketh thee to differ from another? In the areas where you are different from others, whether it be your beauty, whether it be your success, whether it be your talent, whether it be uh, uh, the amount of money you have, whether it be uh, the house you live in, the car you drive, the clothes you wear, in, in, in whatever, in areas where you differ from others, where you're better than others, he says, did you make yourself different or were you made different, is the question. He says, for who make it to differ from another, question mark. Then he says this, and what, Paul would say, and Paul's trying to teach us a lesson on humility. He says, and, and what exactly? What is that thing? What is that thing that you have that you're better than other people? Whether, again, it's your beauty, it's your clothes, it's your brains, it's your talent. He says, and what has thou that thou didst not receive? Question mark. He said, where exactly did you get those brains from? Those smarts, that intelligence. Wasn't that given to you? Where exactly did you get that strength from? Was that not given to you? Where exactly did you get, Herod, that talent, that ability to stand up and, and be an orator and speak in a way that people would be impressed? Was that something that you gave yourself or was that not something that was given to you? That beauty, that success, that talent, that job, that, that whatever it is that you are uh, arrogant about. He says, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? And he says this. And, and look, let me help some of you out make it, because maybe God's having preached this twice because we need it. The answer is nothing. There's nothing you have that you did not receive. There's nothing you were born with that God didn't give you. There's nothing you have in your life. There's not, you know, I always think it's funny, and I, you know, I, I'll, I'll make these jokes because maybe I'm bitter about it. I don't know. I don't think I'm bitter about it. But, you know, I always think it's funny when people, 
will make jokes at my expense for being short. And I don't care. Look, I make jokes at my expense for being short. But people make jokes at my expense for being short. I think to myself, yeah, I mean, yeah, you had a big part in, in being tall, right? <laughs> That's something you did, right? I mean, you, you know, you just grew yourself up there and got, you know. And look, what do you have that was not given to you? What, what do you possess that God did not give? And the answer is a big, fat nothing. Everything you have, everything you are, everything you possess, everything that God, uh, that, that you have in your life, it's something that God has blessed you with. So then Paul says this, he says, now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? He says, remember that every blessing, every ability you have comes from God. And if everything you have comes from God, then why are you bragging about what you have? You didn't do it. You didn't take it. You didn't have it. God gave, and even if you say, well, yeah, but I worked hard to get it. But it's God who gave you the ability to work hard. Yeah, but I saved up all this money. But it is God who gives you the ability to get wealth. John chapter 3, if you would. John 3, you're there in 1 Corinthians, Romans, Acts, John, John chapter 3. And I'm not mad at you tall people, okay? Just know that. I love you like David loved Goliath. John chapter 3. <laughs> Kidding. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 27. Remember the Pharisees come to John? John was the big, the, the big deal. The Bible says that all of Judah came out to hear him. John stepped out on the scene and everybody came to see him. I mean, he had crowds and multitudes. He was doing new things. He was baptizing. Everybody was coming. And then Jesus comes along and John looks at Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. And as a result of John promoting Christ, John lost his influence because he gave his influence to Christ. And the Pharisees come to John and they're trying to poke at his flesh a little bit. And they ask him, you know, everybody's going out to Jesus now. What do you think about that? You used to be the one preaching to the big crowds. Now it's Jesus who's preaching to the big crowds. How does that make you feel, John? John responds, John chapter 3, verse 27. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. You say, I, I don't, I, my problem's not pride. My problem is just I'm not content. Well, you know what? Discontentment is actually, oh, the underlying issue is pride. Because you think you deserve better. I mean, think about anything you complain about. I don't care what you complain about. If it's your house, if it's your car, if it's your children, if it's your spouse, whatever you complain about, you complain about it because you say, well, I, I should have better. Well, why shouldn't you have better? I mean, how big of a shot, how big of a deal, how awesome do you think you are? I mean, you know, every complaint, every discontentment is actually rooted in this idea of pride. But John teaches us a lesson on humility. He says, look, when I had it, I knew I didn't deserve it. And when I lost it, I knew I didn't deserve it. I knew it didn't come from me. He said, a man can receive nothing except to be given, from he- given him from heaven. 
This is what Job said when Job was the most wealthy man, the most successful man on, on earth at the time, in, that, uh, in, that, in the east at the time. And he had those children, and he had all, everything going for him, and he lost it all. And what did he say? He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, a humble spirit and a humble attitude says, hey, everything I have was given to me, and if God takes it, that's fine. I didn't deserve it. It, it was a blessing from him, and if he takes it away, I understand that a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. See, the truth is this, that everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. And if it was given to you, why do you glory in it? And if it was given to you, why do you boast in it? And if it was given to you, why do you brag about it? James chapter 1, if you would, James chapter 1, verse 17, if you start at the end of the Bible and head backwards. You got Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James. James chapter 1. You complain about your job, you must, you must think you're a big deal. Thinking you deserve a better job. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to get a better job. I'm just saying this. A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. You know that God gave you that job? Amen. Hey, before you start complaining about the house you live in, why don't you remember that God's the one that gave you that house? Before you start complaining about the car you drive, why don't you acknowledge the fact that it's God? God's the one who gave you that car. And if God wants to give me a different car, then God can do that. If God chooses to take the car I have away, then God can do that too. A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven, the Bible says. James chapter 1, verse 17. You know the verses. Look at it. James 1, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Keep your place right there in James if you would. Go back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 12. Keep your place in James. We're going to come right back to it. We're looking at the story of Herod. What was the problem? The problem was that he got very proud about his ability, got very proud about his position. Got very proud about his clothing. He put on his royal wardrobe and he got on his royal throne and he gave his oration that the only reason people were even there to hear him was because he was the king. And they gave him over-the-top praise and he accepted it. But he forgot about the fact that everything that we have to be proud about was given to us by God. And when you remember that, and when I remember that, it'll help us to maintain a humility. But there's a second thing I'd like you to notice in this passage. And it is this, verse 23, look look at it. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory, we'll come back to that in a minute, and he was eaten of worms, notice these words, and gave up the ghost. I said, number one, everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. Here's the second statement tonight. Not only was everything that we have to be proud about given to us by God, but also everything we have to be proud about can be taken from us by God. So you can be proud and arrogant about the things you differ from other people, but you know that everything you have was given to you by God, and everything you have can be taken from you by God? This man stood up and accepted the praise and said, man, I must be something pretty amazing. Look at how amazing I am. I just gave this great speech. These people think, they don't even think I'm human. They think I'm a God. And within minutes, he's eaten of worms and gave up the ghost and everything he had was taken by God. 
everything he had that was given to him from God was taken by that same God. Second Chronicles, if you would, chapter 26. In the Old Testament, if you can find those one and two books, they're all clustered together. First, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter 26. Let me give you an illustration of this from the Old Testament character, Uzziah. See, we must remember that everything we have was given to us by God, and everything we have can be taken from us by God. We must remember that God can orchestrate our promotion. I mean, you want to succeed, don't you? I want to succeed. You want to live that abundant Christian life that Jesus spoke about. He said, he said, the thief cometh to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God can orchestrate your promotion. We'll see an example of that. Second Chronicles chapter 26. If you would look at verse 3, the Bible says this, 16 years old was Uzziah. Uzziah is a young man. When he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he, Uzziah, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. Notice these words. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, notice this, God made him to prosper. Now, that does, that's not a promise from God that that's what's going to happen to every person. That's just what happened to Uzziah. That can happen to anyone, but don't forget that there are the Job stories out there that you can still be following the Lord and God take everything from you. The point is this, that it is God who can orchestrate your promotion. As a believer, as a saved individual, it is God that can orchestrate your winning in life. Look at verse 7. And God helped him. Isn't that what you want? I mean, isn't that what you want with your marriage? Isn't that what you want in raising your children? Isn't that what you want with your business, your job? Isn't that what you want in your ministry? Isn't that what you want in life? And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbel and Mehunims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Look at verse 15. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread for abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Marvelously helped by who? Well, we just saw it in verse 7, and God helped him. See, God can orchestrate your promotion. Isn't that good news? But in the same way, we must remember that God can also orchestrate your demotion. Look at verse 16. This is often the problem with success. It's not that God can't make you successful. It's that we often can't deal with success. Look at verse 16. But when he was strong, 
See, when he wasn't strong and God was helping him along the way, he was loving God, he was soul winning, he was reading his Bible, he was faithful to church, and God was helping him and promoting him, and he was strengthening himself, and he was getting better. But oftentimes, when we get to that place of strength, we tend to forget God. I've seen this play out in church life more times than I like to admit. People come in here and they're all, you're just a mess. And we come alongside them and we put our shoulders around, you know, our, our arms around their shoulder and we try to help them spiritually and be there and try to help them going and get going. And they start doing better in life and they get a job and they get a car and they get an apartment and they start kind of mending their relationships. And all of a sudden now they're too busy for God. They forget. I mean, we literally, I remember, literally had a guy who uh, needed help with a uh, vehicle and somebody very generously offered to donate a, a vehicle to this individual and they've been with us for a while. We've been working on them and helping them and get them cleaned up and things like that. And I felt even odd about it. I thought, I don't know, you know, but I thought, well, maybe God's doing this. And, you know, that guy got a car. We never saw him again. <laughs> it's usually that way. But when he was strong, Verse 16, his heart was lifted up, notice, to his destruction. You say, why is that? Because pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Because when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Because pride maketh a man low, go low. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord. He's now putting himself into positions that he had no business doing. The temple of the Lord was somewhere where the priests and the Levites were allowed to go, not kings. He steps in there to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Skip down to verse 20 for sake of time. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him and beheld he was leprous in his forehead. He steps into the temple and God makes him a leper. And look, it doesn't matter how powerful you are, how, how strong you are. When you got leprosy, you're done. You're unclean. You now get to go live outside the camp. He was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was as leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in the several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. And here's all I'm telling you. God can orchestrate your promotion, and God can orchestrate your demotion. The Bible says, for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. So let us not forget that everything we have to be proud about, everything we have to brag about, everything we have to boast about. And by the way, bragging and boasting is not only something you do out loud. Hopefully you're teaching your kids that you should not be boasting and bragging. It's unseemly. I had a kid that was running around boasting about the things we bought them, we would take those things away. Teach him a lesson on, hey, dad gives and dad can take away. Blessed be the name of your dad. <laughs> it's not just something that we do, it's something you can do in your heart. You can boast and brag in your own heart, in your own mind. That's what Herod did. If we remember that everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God, we would be careful. If we remember that everything we have to be proud about can be taken 
from us by God, we would be even more careful. Number three, go back to Acts chapter number 12. I'm not sure if I told you to keep your place in James. I meant to tell you that. We're going to head back in that direction in a little bit. We go to Acts chapter 12, look at verse 23. Acts chapter 12 and verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Notice his words. Because he gave not God the glory. The definition of pride. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghosts. I said, number one, everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. Number two, everything we have to be proud about can be taken from us by God. And you know, let me just reiterate the point that I just made because I think it's a point that needs to be made. You need to teach your children it's not okay to brag. Here's what I mean. If my kids had shoes and my kids don't have shoes, that they, if my kids are bragging about their shoes, they're stupid. <laughs> their shoes are not worth bragging about. And, and my kids know that. But if my kids had some nice pair of shoes and they're coming to church and saying, look at my shoes, they're so much better than your shoes, those shoes would be gone. Look at my clothes, you know. Look at my brand. You know, while you shop at the thrift store, that, those clothes would be gone. Look at my bike. That bike would be gone. Teach your kids it's not okay to brag. Look, start dealing with this issue of pride early because pride is something that can get us all. Everyone can be uh, uh, susceptible to the sin of pride. And some of you are like, oh, Pastor, come on. Everyone can be, I'm not prideful. I mean, listen to yourself. (laughs) I'm not prideful. I'm so humble. And you're real proud about it. Pride. Pride can come into anybody's life. We think, we, we think, oh, well, you know, I want to be proud about this, I want to be proud about that. You'd be surprised what people are proud about. Everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. Everything we have to be proud about can be taken from us by God. Here's point number three. Everything we have to be proud about, because look, there's some things you're awesome at. There's some things you're really good at. There's some things that you have talent in that God gave you. That that is some God-given talent. There are some things that God has given you, some opportunities that God has given you. Some of you are just so good at certain things. You might be good at making money. You might be good at fixing things and building things. You might be uh, 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 very, very healthy and, and strong, and God has given that to you. There's all sorts of things that God truly has given you that you would have a temptation to be proud about. You say, yeah, but, you know, I remember that was given to us by God, and that's true. I have to remember that God can take that from us, and that's true. But you know that everything we have to be proud about should be something we use to glorify God in? Like, I'm not saying it's wrong that you have these things. Just remember, remember that everything you have was given to you so you can glorify God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whether ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Have you ever thought about that verse? I know that's the verse we use. To say, you know, that's why we pray before we eat. And I think you should pray before you eat. We pray before we eat. But you know, if you really think about that verse, you know what God is saying? God is saying, everything you do, everything you do in life, you should look at every action you take, every word that comes out of your mouth, every, everywhere you go, everything you touch. He said, everything you look at, everything you listen to, he says, everything you do 
should be bringing glory to God. He, and he kind of uses this hyperbole, this exaggeration to say, I don't care if you're eating or drinking, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I mean, think about that. I want to live my life in such a way that everything I do brings glory to God. Even when I'm eating and drinking, I want to make sure that's bringing glory to God. You start living that way, you start thinking that way, it'll change your life. Even how I eat and drink should be glory, glory to God. Well, I'll tell you this. If you believe that everything you eat and drink should bring glory to God, you get rid of that beer. Amen. Get rid of that alcohol. Amen. You get rid of that, you know, that booze, that nightcap. Look, in life, everything we do should be bringing glory to God. And everything you have was given to you by God. Everything you have can be taken from you by God. So why not use everything you have? To bring glory to God. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You kept replacing James. Right after James, you have the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Do me a favor. Put, uh, put your ribbon or, or just take your finger there for a minute because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. 1 Peter chapter 5. Likewise, the younger. Submit yourselves unto the elder. We saw a couple of verses this morning similar to this one. This is a different verse than what we saw this morning. But they're similar. Likewise, you younger, submit yourself unto the elders. By the way, submitting yourself to anybody, any position of authority, requires humility. And by the way, when you don't submit yourself to any God-given authority, it's pride. I'm, I don't care what pastor says. I'm just not going to say. You, you, know, you don't have to do anything I say, but just know that spirit, it's pride. I don't care what my boss says. He's an idiot. Pride. I don't care what my parents say, pride. I don't care what my husband said, pride. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Isn't that the context? Yet all of you be subject one to another. From time to time, we all find ourselves in positions of submission and submitting to our authorities. Then he says this, and be clothed with humility. All throughout the Bible, you have these verses where God is telling you to be clothed with certain things. I used to struggle with that. Man, God, you know, what does that mean? How am I supposed to preach that to people? Be clothed in humility? Like, don't wear nice clothes? Like, what are you talking about? That's not what he's talking about. When he says be clothed in humility, here's what he means by that, and here's what I came to the conclusion. That humility is something that you do consciously. Like, you put on a garment... I know some of you, I see you dressed, and I'm like, did you do that on purpose? You know, I don't know. Do you look at a mirror? Do you own a mirror? But generally speaking, when you wear something, you did that on purpose. When you put clothes on, you, you consciously decided, I'm going to put this garment on. I'm not going to put this garment on. You know, ladies have all these rules about not wearing white before this or whatever. I don't know what that means. I'm not going to put this garment on. I'm going to put this garment on because it's Easter. And if it was Christmas, I'd put this garment on. And if it was, you know, whatever, before summer and after summer and this and that. See, when you put clothes on, when you put clothes on, you do that on purpose. And God says, God says that's how humility is like. It's not, see, people get this idea. People get this idea. They say, oh, well, I can never be humble. It's just not in my nature. It's not in anyone's nature. You meet someone that's humble, you know why they're humble? Because they chose. They got up in the morning and they fought their flesh and they said, flesh, you're not going to win today. I'm going to put you in your place. I'm going to put on humility. I'm choosing to put it on. 
didn't come on naturally. You weren't born with clothes on. Your birthday suit's not a suit. You choose to put clothes on. God says, be clothed with humility. And he says this, we saw it this morning. Why? For God resisteth the proud. For God resisteth the proud. When you diminish God, God will diminish you. My life and your life is to be a mirror that reflects the glory of God. When somebody compliments you, when somebody says, hey, you're so awesome at this, and I can, you did such a great job, and good job on that sermon, praise the Lord for that. We all want encouragement, and we all enjoy compliments, but look, our, don't, don't swallow it. Reflect that glory back to God. Man, that's an amazing, you know, uh, business you have there. That's a great uh, 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 talent you have there. Look at that awesome job that you got. God, hey, praise God. God gave it to me. Give God the glory. You're so beautiful. God, God did that. You're so tall. God did that. You're so short. Hey, God did that too. To God be the glory. Hey, if I'm going to be short, I'm going to be short for the glory of God. If I'm going to be ugly, I'm going to be ugly for the glory of God. You say, what does that mean? I mean, that means I'm going to try to do everything I can for God. And when people look and say, you're, you're the guy that's leading this church and say, well, God did it. Amen. Everything we have to be proud about should be used for the glory of God. Amen. When you diminish God, when you take God's glory, when you take away from God, because remember, what did Herod do? Uh, the Bible says that he gave not God the glory. When you diminish God, God will begin to diminish you. Be clothed with humility. Why? For God resisteth the proud. But when you promote God, God will begin to promote you. When God knows that he can give you money and it's not going to go to your head, in fact, you're going to use it for the glory of God, he can give you more money. When God knows that he can give you influence and he knows it's not going to go to your head, in fact, you're going to use your influence to further the cause of Christ, he can give you more influence. When God realizes that he can put resources in your lap, he can put talent in your lap, he can put ability in your lap, he can bring people around you that can help you succeed and grow, and he knows that that's not going to go to your head, that you're not going to use that to diminish him, to take the glory for yourself, but you're going to use it to bring glory to God. When you begin to promote God, God can begin to promote you. But when you diminish God, like Herod did, when you take the glory for yourself, then God resisted the proud is what the Bible says. Let me give you two examples of this as quickly as I can. Genesis chapter 41, if you would, in the Old Testament, first book in the Bible, should be fairly easy to find, Genesis chapter 41. Let me give you two examples of people that God promoted. And God promoted them only after they promoted God. And they did not have to. Genesis chapter 41, of course, we have Joseph. You know Joseph, sold into slavery, lied about by his, uh, uh, betrayed, excuse me, by his uh, brethren, sold into slavery, lied about by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison, forgotten by the butler. Two years later, the butler promises, I'm not going to forget you, forgotten anyway. Two years later, God was working on the other side. Pharaoh had a dream. Nobody could interpret it. 
And the butler remembers, oh yeah, there was a guy in prison that interpreted my dream. Genesis 41 and verse 15, we have the meeting between Pharaoh and Joseph. Notice what the Bible says. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee, that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Now let me ask you this, and I want you to be honest with yourself. And I'm going to try to be honest with myself. If we didn't know the story of Joseph, if you didn't have the Bible, and this was a verse about your life, I mean, think about it. The most powerful man on earth at the time, Pharaoh. The head of the most powerful empire, the richest, most wealthy empire in the world. Has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. Joseph, who has every reason to be bitter, has every reason to be angry, has every reason to be mad about life and everything, has been sold into slavery, lied about, forgotten, now has the most powerful man on earth saying, I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. I mean, how, how would you and I respond to that? Well, Pharaoh, let me tell you, been a long time coming. People have just they keep not acknowledging my greatness, but yes, I can interpret your dream. And I will do it as soon as you put Potiphar's wife to death. I mean, is that what you would say? You find my 12 bro- brothers and bring those bozos here. Not Joseph. Look at verse 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, The perfect opportunity to bring glory unto himself. And he says, it is not in me. The perfect opportunity to just take the glory and say, I'm so amazing. Did you hear hear the one about the butler? Did you hear the one about the baker? I've I've interpreted dreams, let me tell you. He says, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You know what Joseph did? He promoted God. You know what God did? He promoted Joseph. Pride goeth before destruction. The Bible says that God will sustain the humble. God will help the humble. Let me give you another example. Go to Daniel chapter 2. Very similar. Daniel chapter 2. A different dispensation. Just kidding. (laughs) Hundreds of years after Joseph. Daniel chapter 2, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. Joseph was before the nation of Israel even existed. Daniel is after the captivity. Yet they find themselves in very similar situations. Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on earth, the most rich, powerful emperor, has a dream. No one can interpret it. And he's meeting Daniel face to face. Daniel chapter 2, verse 26. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream? Another perfect opportunity for Daniel, like Joseph, could have promoted himself. Which I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Daniel could have started making deals. Well, here's the thing, king. You brought me, you took me from my parents. I'll interpret the dream. You take me back home. Throw in my three friends. That's not what he said. Look at verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said... The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. 
Now you get a little nervous because you're about to think that Daniel's going to say, but I can interpret it for you. That's not what he says, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall it be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And he goes on to interpret the dream. But what does Daniel do? He does not promote himself. He promotes God. And you know what God did? God promoted Daniel. Because when you diminish God, God will diminish you. And when you promote God, God will promote you because pride goeth before destruction. Say, well, how can I be humble? Well, you can't help but be humble. When you remember that everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. When you remember that everything we have to be proud about can be taken from us by God. I mean, even your health, even your strength, you young, young man, you can be all proud about your strength. One car accident and God can take it away. Everything we have to be proud about should be used to bring glory to God. First Peter chapter 5, we'll finish up. Look at verse 6 again. We saw verse 5. God resists the proud. He giveth grace unto the humble. Then he says this in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Don't miss this. That he may exalt you in due time. When you lower yourself, when you humble yourself, then God will exalt you. Like we learned this morning, not at your timing maybe, at his timing, in due time. But I can tell you this, when God does it, if you allow God to do it in his timing, it'll be the right time. So how do I have God exalt me? How can God exalt you? Two steps. Lower yourself, humble yourself, give God the glory. Give God the glory. You say, why? Because you know it's true. Everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. Anything you have to show off about, to brag about, to get a big head about, was given to you by God. And if that doesn't scare you, everything we have to be proud about, Herod learned, can be taken from you by God. So let's just make sure that everything we have to be proud about is used by us to bring glory to God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Lord, thank you for these stories the story of Herod teaching us and underlying this idea of pride and humility. Lord, we are all susceptible to pride. We can all give in to this idea of pride. Help us to not be like Herod. You wanted to underscore this story so much that you had him be eaten of worms to show how much you hate pride. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be humble people. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.